It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Mark Madden on Blue Nation Uncensored. Rick Flair couldn't make it this week, so... We've decided to scour Rick's podcast archive to find you some hidden gems, like this one, where Rick regales Cody Rhodes with his Harley Race impression. Were you guys as performers privy to what the vote was? Like, did you know ahead of time, or is that something that comes out years later? No, this- no, no. I knew what the Crocker called me and told me. But I, well, first of all, I don't think Dusty or myself knew they were having a vote. What happened was, yeah. is Eddie had so much power, Fritz had so much power, Geigel had a little bit of power, Sam had a ton of power. Barnett had a ton of power. Crockett was pushing for me. Eddie, right. of course, pushing. And I think because Crockett was getting so big, I mean, all of a sudden it wasn't just mid-Atlantic. I mean, he was starting to make moves, right? That Crockett pushed them because they all those guys resented Jimmy Crockett. I mean, he wasn't a wrestler. They, they, yeah. they liked his dad, but, you know, Eddie was a former wrestler. Guy, go former wrestler. Barnett, I'm not sure how he got in. <laughs> to begin with, but the funks, Harley Race, you know what I mean? I, you know, it's like yeah. when it's like when uh, when when Dusty beat Harley, he beat him in Tampa, right? Bayfront oh, front center, man. Yeah, I mean, and that and it should have been a, it should have been in a scenario where we both were had some steam, we would have torn it down. I mean, you know, but we're sitting there and they, people are looking at us like, hey, I guess I know Dusty Rhodes. I definitely don't know Ric Flair. You know what yeah. I mean? Well. It's funny you mentioned that him winning it in uh, at the Bayfront with Harley because I'm just now thinking about you at Starcade '83 and you, it's it's uh, I believe it's the exact same uh, it's the same finish it's a crossbody from the top yeah exactly yeah, correct yeah same finish Harley man yeah. uh, that one that had Harley's number the old crossbody <laughs> yeah that had him well let me tell you it, it didn't have Harley's number it had, it had his blessing. <laughs> yeah, that worked. Because he, he, he could have changed it at any point in time. That that worked. My, my, I told you my favorite Harley Race story, right? Uh, you told me a few Harley Race stories on the bus, and every every one of them I was. I told, I told you about, I told you about the Hunter one and the Kurt Henning one. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I knew you were talking about Harley because you always you always simulated you were you were yeah, smoking cigarettes to begin. <laughs> yeah. Well, here I, I'll, for the fans that haven't heard this, this is the first time that Hunter, who um, came to WCW, Tara Rollins, right? Yeah. Walked in the locker room, and Harley at that time was managing Vader. So and uh, and Hunter uh, Paul Hunter had been in the gym business, and I met him at a gold gym convention because I had the 10 gold gyms. I brought the tape back and bingo the higher. So we're in the locker room and I'm just going to, this obviously is not real, but I like, I like to use these voices. Okay. I go, uh, Harley, I want you to meet a new guy, um, Paul Levesque just coming into business. How do you do it, Mr. Race? How you doing, kid? I'm good. Who trained you? Killer Kowalski. He's the shit. <laughs> um, poor honor. I don't. <laughs> what, like, what are you gonna say? And then Let the cur- and then and then the current heading one. Kurt Anning in Kansas City, right? Just a new kid starting in Minneapolis down there working because Larry and him, right? He goes, Hey, Mr. Reese, what's the finish tonight? What's your finish, kid? Dropping off a top rope. I'll move. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? Those are the best of all time. Oh. He, uh, he, yeah. he, he was so intimidating. I really was afraid of Harley. Oh, geez. You know, you know, Dusty, he, um, he like, you know this obviously, Rick, but obviously dad modeled a good deal of his career after Muhammad Ali. Of course. Especially with like Gordon Soley kind of yep. standing in as, as his Howard Costell. He always told me growing up, he was, he, he referred to Harley Race as the George Foreman. Yeah, that was his. That was his George Foreman. Yeah, I, I, I always loved the good analogy. Parallel. Yeah, he, he had, that was his. Uh, that was his George Foreman. Yeah, he was the shooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's funny you said that because uh, I thought it was phenomenal, and I'm sure Conrad and I must have talked about a hundred times for uh, the NBA Finals to go on, be going on as strong and as in the ratings that they got. For that Friday to completely shut down, and oh, yeah. everything for two days was committed to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Spoke violence yep. for who this guy was. I mean, it's really yeah. unbelievable. And then the minute the funeral was over, back to basketball. Right. But for that, yeah, for that forty-eight hours, man, it was Muhammad Ali. I mean, and they gave him. I mean, the guy was it. I mean, but the, your your dad was the Muhammad Ali in terms of. I mean. All the stuff, the wine and dine, the pork and beans. I mean, oh, the, I don't the even whole, know where he got all that shit. It was phenomenal. Yeah, so, well, it's like it was. It was you want to pass through one time, kid? Why not pass by in a Cadillac? In a Cadillac. Well, Laura, you're all back laughing at a joke, and I'm out front cooking and smoking. <laughs> he um, he was inspired by by it, and he made it. He he took it to to pro wrestling, especially with like with Gordon. And you look at those 
those Gordon and Dusty interviews from Championship Wrestling from Florida. I, I found one the other day uh, that is likely my favorite Dusty promo, uh, Dusty interview of all time, and it's it's one that very few people um, have ever seen. It's a, it's about Eric the Red and Sonny King and uh, Pac Song. It's talking about a bounty uh, that Harley Race had, and it's just a just amazing. But it, it I can see it, especially yeah. after we look digging into you know Ali here and there. Man, I, I can see it. It's, it's fun to see, like because that's pro wrestling. I always like that where you can take something from the mainstream and you can mold it to your audience, you know? Oh yeah. Well, your dad, you know, I'll tell you another guy that, uh, your dad, uh, um, got a little bit from was Thunderbolt Patterson. Your dad, oh, he, 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 your dad was the white Thunderbolt at that time. Thunderbolt could talk, man. Yeah. He, he, uh, he was average in a ring, but he could, he could talk, but your dad took a Thunderbolt's rap and took it to a whole new level. I mean, that thing, that your dad, the hard times promo that he made with about me and that. I mean, that promo yeah. may be one of the greatest promos of all time. Absolutely. Hard times. Well, we can't let him go. We can't let you go, sir, without talking about Tully Blanchard, your most famous feud, the cage match. That oh, yeah. Still talk about the I quit match. Baby doll was involved. George South has jokingly said that baby doll threw a stiffer punch than most of the boys. Uh, you know, you guys went around the loop with. Tully saying he never said I quit. He just said yes, yes, yes. Just iconic stuff that is kind of a, an anniversary date of sorts. Carry us through what that match meant to your career and your, just your memories of that whole angle and feud you had with Tully. Well, it, well it's first of all, it, it's just amazing uh, the fact that the, the, that match, you know, that centerpiece match has been, you know, talked about and you know for so many years after the fact, I mean, I had no idea when we were in the, in the midst of doing it, it was going to have that kind of impact in, you know, the history of wrestling. But, uh, yeah, Tony was, yeah, Tony and I met when I was working for his dad, Joe. And when I had only been in the business six months and he, you know, he told me straight up his, you know, he, he wanted to be the best heel in the business one day. That was his goal. And when I met him a couple of years later, when I got a chance to come work for Jimmy and, and I was working on top, and I had some seasoning, and was in a different place than when I met him the first time. He was a he was a great match for me because he was hungry, and he and he had this intensity in the ring as a heel, like I had the intensity in the ring as a babyface. So when you put us in the ring together, it was uh, I mean it was quite a contest of uh, it, you know just the, the the pace and and everything that Tully was able to maintain and keep. Uh, he only had like one year and it was like wide open. So, uh, it, it, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, and it was something that, you know, to this day, like I said, I mean, people talk to me about three things. They talked to me about Rick. They talked to me about the Aquit match with Tully and the best of seven series with Nikita. And, you know, and, and my whole in-ring career, you know, spanned six, you know, six years. And, and wow. the, the things that I get to reminisce with people about, uh, Jim Ross was telling me that too. He said, gosh, I, I didn't realize it was just six years, but it was, you know, I started in 1980 and 1986, uh, you know, had that career ending deal and I packed a lot in, in a short period of time. You did, you know, I didn't realize, I, I would have thought it was more like 10 years myself. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, brought that to my attention. Yeah, you did my guy. Well, you know what? You were that good and you're in the right position and you pulled it off and that's, that's what matters. 
And God only knows what would have been on the other side if not for this, uh, the, the unfortunate accident. But you're in a good well, place Well, the now. truth of the matter is, yeah, I am. And, I'm, you know, I miss you guys. I miss, I miss my friends. I miss being able to, of course, go out there and perform in front of the fans and do the thing that I love to do. But what I've been able to have in way of a family life and relationship with my kids, honestly, I wouldn't trade for a hundred world championships because I mean, you got to, you know, you talk about what Michael Hayes and these different guys have to do their commitment to the, to the industry to, to make the product what it is. And you've got to give it a your all. I mean, we gave it everything we had and you don't have enough of you left to do hardly anything else. So I'm thankful for what I have been able to do rather than, you know, what I missed out on. Also at the end there, we hear Magnum TA talk about working with Tully Blanchard. Nowadays, it's hard enough to get Bruce Pritchard to do his own podcast, let alone someone else's. But in 2015, Bruce sat down with Rick and talked all about the rise of Triple H. I don't think a lot of people are as aware of uh, just how in how entrenched Stephanie and Hunter are right now. I mean, it's to the point where Hunter and Stephanie... Hunter for sure, Stephanie at least one day, Monday, Tuesday on the road, uh, and then down uh, to Orlando for Tough Enough. And then uh, Hunter is an example of every third week NXT taping. Um, and uh, like this week, uh, they've got NXT sold out on Saturday. They've got SummerSlam sold out on Sunday. They have uh, Raw sold out on oh, Monday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then they're going to go to Providence for SmackDown. Um, and then they go back down. Hunter Rep goes back down for NXT taping in two weeks. And believe it or not, because I talk to Hunter all the time, when he's not on the road, and this is a guy that he's got to have that two-hour workout every day. He's miserable. He's on Vince's schedule. He works out at 11 o'clock at night now. Because he's yeah. in the office, and so is Stephanie. You know, because he, you know, this guy is, Always push Steph in that direction, but I, he's making sure um, he's making sure that Hunter's got a grasp of it too. Would, would you? I, I mean, I keep using that statement, but I, I that's my take on it anyway. Well, okay, here here's the thing that I, I get into when when I do a lot of these interviews and things because yeah, I, I got I have no dog in the fight. I'm not there. You know, I love to be there. Yeah, but that's not why I'm saying this either. When I hear the, the stuff about, well, Hunter's only there because he married into it. Well, long before Hunter... Right, that's Stephanie, a bullshit story. I, yeah, I, I long before that. Hunter and Stephanie were Hunter and Stephanie, Paul Lebeck was one of the first guys to show up at the building. He was sitting in on production meetings. He was offering up ideas. He has been a student of the business from day one. If he had never even crossed paths with Stephanie in any any way, shape, or form, he would be deserving of the spot that he is in now because he worked his ass off to get there. And he's good. Okay, people people want to say what they what they will, but these are people that have never met him, that have never been around him, and watched him work from the inside. Okay. From the outside looking looking in at him, you go, Oh well God, you know, it's easy for him. He's, he's married to the boss's daughter, they drive yeah. around it. That that's that's a bullshit statement too. I hate it. Is I hear that too. It pisses me off when people say that because they don't get this guy's work ethic, man. Jesus. No. 
and he was doing it long before. Okay, that that's the part that you sit there and look yeah. at. And he he always was one of those guys who would sit back quietly, but he would always offer suggestions. He was always out there plugging, and he was always trying to do something more. He didn't have to show up over and go to the production meeting. He asked if he could. He didn't have to watch other guys' matches and offer them help. He did it because he loved it. And he still does it. And looking, I just look at NXT and the developmental system. And when we started that in the studio in the warehouse with my brother training guys and to where it is now is amazing. Because, it, you know, it is the future. It's the only future that we've got right now. But here's a guy that worked his ass off as a talent in the ring and has worked to learn the business and has got his hands dirty doing it. And for people to sit back that have never, never met him, never met you, never met me, and judge based on what they perceive reality to be, is bullshit. Yeah, you know, you know what the moral of the story is, Bruce? What's that? Well, number one, he was working for a Gold's Gym in New Hampshire. You knew that, right? Yep. And number two, I owned 11 Gold's Gyms, if you remember correctly, right? Yep. And number three, he happened to be at the Sheridan in Columbus, Georgia, one night when I was performing. Thank God I had the balloon on, hence Triple H. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, the old balloon trick got him again. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. When the moment for intimacy arrives, you need to be ready. Roman ready. Whether you've been in a relationship for years or are just getting started, having the confidence that comes from preparation means you're free to enjoy the moment when the moment comes. Even though you are far from ordinary, the truth is that ED is really common. In fact, 52% of guys aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. Go to GetRoman.com slash Flair right now to speak to U.S. licensed healthcare professional about erectile dysfunction and get $15 off your first month of treatment. ED is more common than most people think. In fact, 52% of men, can you imagine that, between the ages of 40 and 70, Probably 73 will experience some form of ED. The benefits of ED treatment can help you reconnect your partner and rediscover the joy of sex. Roman Ready is confidence personified. It is a self-assurance that comes from knowing you prepared yourself for the moment when intimacy arrives. That's Teletum Nation. Roman's system is completely confidential and totally discreet. No big logos on labels or packages. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash Flair today. And if you're prescribed, 
Get 15 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this fall. Roman ready. Woo! You know, I don't think a lot of people really understand the importance and, you know, his knowledge and what he meant to the WWF and then later the WWE. So before he gets here, go ahead and give everybody your perspective on what Bruce's contribution to the business really was. Well, God, it's, you know, to me, Bruce is one of the geniuses of the business, uh, of the industry. I mean, he's right there with my estimation with, Michael Hayes and Pat Patterson and, uh, you know, Dusty and, of course, Vince and Stephanie and Hunter. But, I mean, um, you know, he was there when the Undertaker thing came together. I mean, he's been there through so many um, pivotal pivotal positions positions for the company that, um, yeah, I just think his, 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 his knowledge of the business and the fact that he is a great entertainer himself. I mean, the brother love thing I thought was one of the best of all time, and he uh, he pulled it off. I'm not even sure why it's not there, and I'm not sure why it's not with WWE right now. But I I do understand that he's had health issues with his wife, and he's at home now, and probably the, the schedule up there, which is very hectic, as you know, um, it would be a lot for Bruce. But it's not for not lack of uh, credentials or credibility. He's a genius. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to getting some of his insight on, you know, some old fun stories. But really, you know, since we are WrestleMania season and it kind of seems like that's what everybody's talking about, I want to hear his perspective on, you know, if he was still there booking, what he would do for WrestleMania. Yeah, that'd be great. I think that's a great question. I think um, the problem is, is that no matter what he, what he said, he wouldn't have final say. <laughs> <laughs> I just asked Michael Hayes a question. I said, you, you you're absurd asking me this now. We we haven't got to Sunday yet. <laughs> All right, so, Rick, now Bruce is with us. Bruce, we were just kind of talking a little bit before about, you know, WrestleMania season coming up this weekend. We've got Fastlane. You were there for a long time. And if you were there now, given kind of the circumstances they have with injuries and all of that, how would you try to salvage WrestleMania from what the original plans are? It seems like none of that is possible thanks to all the injuries. What would What would Bruce do? Well, you know, again, it is difficult because of all the injuries. And it's also difficult because you can have the greatest ideas in the entire world. If the boss doesn't anoint it, then it's not something he's going to endorse. It's never going to fly anyway. If I had carte blanche, okay, and based on what they have right now, you know, you're going towards Hunter and you're going towards Roman Reigns. I mean, that's... That's the direction that it appears to be going in. It, they built to it. So to try and change that now is kind of a mute point. Right. But when you're looking at opponents for Undertaker, you're looking at opponents for Brock Lesnar, those are your money guys. Right. And what are you going to do with them? And it just brings it's a lot of conjecture. You can fantasy book all you want, put Undertaker and Goldberg. Right. Um, is that an attractive match? Sure. Never happened. Possibly, but is Goldberg willing to come in and do what do business and and come in and want to do that? Who knows? Well, right. let me ask you a question. What makes you think that Reigns is walking out of there? You know, I, because of the way that they built it so far, uh huh. And with where they're going and the way they built everything, I'm just looking at. I don't have that insider's view. I'm looking at it strictly from a fan. And looking at it yeah. strictly what they put on TV, right. I see that they're, it, it appears that they're pushing 
that they're pushing reins to that point. Yeah, I mean, I think so too, but I, I just never know because, um, you know, I, I think that you know every time they need something big, they, you know, like Brock's on Sports Center. I mean, it's hard to get other guys on Sports Center. Right. I, I never, I never walk away without the possibility that uh, that Brock might be in the main event there too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like you, but I think, yeah, clearly they have pushed him really be. hard. <laughs> you know, I mean, he really, really and truly should be. Yeah. Well, so if you were to go in with that line of thinking where it was Roman and it was Triple H and maybe Undertaker Goldberg, what would you have in mind for a guy like Brock Lesnar? What would I have in mind or what would they? I think it's hard because of the way they book certain guys. Kevin Owens, if you had brought Kevin Owens in and you had built him the right way, right. man, I would have bought a Brock-Kevin Owens match. Now? I'd, please, forget about it. Right. Because I think Brock would just kill him. A, a guy like Alberto Del Rio, personally, I think that would be a great match, Brock and Alberto Del Rio. If you told Del Rio's backstory, an MMA fighter, he yeah. was a shoot fighter, he's got a great history, looks great, he looks the part, and he could deliver. I think he could deliver a great match with Brock. Uh, now, first of all, I, I'm a big fan of Del Rio's, and I, he and I have become good friends. I did not know he had a background in MMA. Yes. Yeah, he actually fought in Pride in Japan, Rick, years ago. And he oh, I didn't mask. know that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he doesn't come across as a, as a tough, you know, bully-type kid at all. He come, that's great. That's, I didn't know he had that kind of background. He really does. He's got a hell of a pedigree. He did well in that genre. He, he did well in MMA. Wow. And he was a name in, in Pride. He did do things. But you just take a look at him. And if you were back in the old days, you know, you're sitting around smoking a cigar with some of the old timers going, I can see that kid as a champion. Yeah. God, I can see building an entire territory around him. Well, let me tell you, it won't be because he's not handsome enough. The kid is, I mean, he looks like well, a million he is. bucks. He's beautiful. <laughs> hey, hey, and he he's can... a good looking guy. The girls would, I think, would go gravitate towards him. The guys would want to be him. And he can back it up when the bell rings. Yeah, well, and he is a great performer, too. I mean, he, the kid can work, man. He, he can really go. I'm more impressed by him every time I see him. Well, now that you know that he has an MMA background, I mean, you think about that. If they were to exploit that in the way that he did work like that, he, he did used to work that what they call strong style, I guess. Right. It's believable. And he made it believable. He, he's one of the few luchadors that have crossed over and really meant something, and people can buy them and believe in them. Yeah, I think, though, and I, I'm being facetious right now, but every time <laughs> no. I see Lesnar throwing everybody around, I think he Del Rio likes <laughs> being, on the side of the, being on the other side of the ring from somebody else because <laughs> I don't care how tough he was. <laughs> <laughs> Lesnar's a different different deal. And I don't know how much more Dean Ambrose can take. <laughs> when he calls him out and tells him to come back and bring me more, I, I mean, I die. And I tell him to his face, Ambrose, you need psychiatric help, man. Who's ever writing that down, just say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, no. He, he threw both Ambrose and <laughs> Reigns across the ring last night, 10 feet in the air with brutal. Uh, you know why? Because he can. 
That's and every the, time he does it, people in the people in the arena, people on TV, sit there and go, "Wow!" Yeah, that's why Del Rio should probably sit where he's at. <laughs> so, Bruce, he, talking about WrestleMania a little bit, what do you think? Uh, what would you do with a guy like Bray Wyatt? Wow! Again, everything is just so fragmented because of the injuries. Right? It's it's tough. Um, I started putting. Uh, pencil and paper to it the other day and and you look at that roster it's slim pickings and getting into wrestlemania season now it's not like you've got a whole lot of time to bring in somebody fresh and new from nxt and get them over in time to do anything at wrestlemania um well you mentioned goldberg are they talking to goldberg about wrestling I have no idea. That's, oh. that's why I say that's completely out of from okay. a fan perspective. Yeah. Who's right. not there? Who could bring some interest and maybe some new eyeballs? Mm-hmm. You know, um, do you think there's any chance they try to bring Sting back just one more time for the Undertaker match? There could always be a chance. I don't know what the extent of his injuries either. He, right. can't, he can't wrestle again, guys. Yeah. So I mean, that's... So, and I would take him back to my knowledge. We had him on the podcast. He made it pretty clear to uh, Conrad and I that he has to have surgery if he even wants to consider wrestling again. And I don't think he's had it, has he? I haven't heard that he has. I have I'm, no idea. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. And he but got, it's it's like you you know, Rick. You just brought it back to reality. The reality is, who can step into that spot and deliver and make it so that it's a money match, so that people are going to want to want to see it, and also make it a match that you can't pick them. You can't pick who that winner is. And with Goldberg, that would be one you could sit there and go, hmm, what are they going to do? Do you still think there's a chance that uh, Super Cena could beat expectations and come back just for that match? Sure. There's always that chance. Yeah. Cena's a, a cyborg. Right. <laughs> you, just can't, you know, you can plug him in and go, and I sure, I'm sure if you were to ask John Cena whether or not he could come back, he would be back in a heartbeat. Wow. But there's, you know, I mean, that's a tough one, man, because it's Taker, it's Texas, it's 100,000 people. Yeah, you know, I heard the, the rumblings of the of the big kid in, in Bray Wyatt's camp, Strowman. Yeah. I just don't think that the audience would accept that. Right. To me, that's a step down. That's a WrestleMania 9 Taker versus Giant Gonzalez match. Yeah. Or yeah. Taker versus... Well, in all fairness to Ron, he just doesn't have the experience. It, yeah, yeah it, I'm not... In two years? Yeah. <clears throat> Please. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it, you know, they he, they brought him in on the fly, and he really has never had a chance to, to you know, he's not put in a position where he can learn. He's always in a position right. of having to perform, and it's a lot. It can be overwhelming. He's big enough and strong enough to pull it off, but, you know, just not enough name recognition. And it's not fair to him to put him in that position at this time. Well, let's talk about that. Rick, you were you were there when WCW brought in Paul White and, you know, made him the giant and put the belt on him in his first match. And that didn't happen because he was, you know, of his technical prowess, he wasn't Ricky Steamboat. It was because he was huge. And no, was no, let me tell you, but here, here's the difference. Uh, uh, Paul White, I mean, our friend uh, Big Show, uh, played Division One collegiate basketball. Right. He's more coordinated than any big guy in the business. He's unbelievable. And it he caught on as fast as he's not Kurt Angle caught on, but he caught on so fast and he's big and strong and agile and to this day he, he, the guys don't do it with him. I don't know why, but 
He can press slam. He can power slam. He can suplex off a time. He can do anything. You know, the, he, the guys just don't do it with him, and he doesn't push the button. I mean, I, I used to love doing that with him because he was so safe. But you can't compare Big Show to Ron. It's just two different guys. That oh, no, no. I'm not necessarily saying that their talent was the same. I'm just saying some of that is still the booking, is it not, in that it's the way the Giant was booked to just – you know, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. Not to say that he wasn't just a natural, but it, there's no way that early in his career, you know, he was already at the world championship level of knowledge. He just got there because of his size and then had to play catch-up ball, so to speak. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, because it was, it was my recommendation that he manage someone until he learned more about, you know, working. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that was second, that Hulk wanted him to be the giant son. You know, I mean, that was I, mean, I didn't I didn't like that at all. And I could not, not number one, I thought it was disrespectful to Andre because, you know, I mean, to, to, to follow that character and that 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 guy and that legend of the guy uh, was asking a lot. And number two, I think it's a lot of pressure on on the big show to be Andre the giant son. I mean, it is what it is. I see that. I see the, the the issues with anybody that's a second generation in real life. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's taken Ashley. Ashley, for the first two years, it, people were just saying she was there because she was my daughter. Well, you know, we all know that's bullshit. She's the best performer in, in the women's diva division, and she's the best athlete in the company. And you know what? Guys won't argue that because she's that good an athlete. But, I mean, and how do you do, how do you measure that? Pick out free sports and have them go play it. <laughs> no, she's just a tremendous athlete, but and she, and, but it took a long time to get over the stigma of being my daughter. You know what I mean? Right. Now she's got got a groove and she's found herself and she's very comfortable, but she's still going to hear that stuff from people that are jealous. You know, you know the business guys. That nobody, sure. you know, the, the saying is if they're if they're talking about you, you're doing something good, but it still hurts. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Back in the day when the Nature Boy was riding high, I bought myself a limousine, hired a kid to drive me around. He had the time of his life. Now I use Uber when I need to get around. If you're looking to make some extra money, you can drive with Uber using your own car. Uber is a smartphone app that connects riders with drivers, and it's totally flexible. You don't have to quit your day job to make more money because Uber lets you make extra money on your schedule. Whatever you need to make extra money, just turn on the app and drive. A few hours here, a few hours there, it all adds up fast. And it's really easy to get started. First, go to drivewithuber.com to sign up for free. You can do it right now on your phone. A second, answer a few basic questions about you and your car, then get approved. Third, start driving. That's all there is to it. I told you it was easy. Start enjoying the flexibility of working when you want and earning extra money on your schedule. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drive with U-B-E-R dot com. Woo! It's, it's, it's a lot different when you take, okay, we'll take Ashley, for example, or you take 
Kevin, Kerry, and David, mm-hmm. Von Eric, for example. Mm-hmm. These were guys that could go in and they could perform and they could do it versus a George Goulas, who was Nick Goulas' son, mm-hmm. who was put in the main event because he was George's son, and that was the only reason that he was there. Yeah, I never and, met him, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it, you know, it's he didn't have the talent. He, he wasn't able to do it. Uh, the 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 younger Von Erich, you know, Mike, and they didn't have the talent to. They didn't have the talent of a Carrie and David and Kevin. Yeah, they just didn't. But they were well, put there because of their name. They didn't have the size either. I mean, exactly. Uh, those three kids were genetically gifted. I mean, especially Kevin and Carrie. Uh, my God, you know. Um, David was built more like a basketball player, but he was a good athlete and uh, and obviously a really good performer. Yeah, right. it's funny. I just, um, you know, I, sometimes my heart goes out to her because uh, she, like, and she and Conrad have bonded because, God forbid, I say anything. She doesn't believe a word I say, so she'll ask Conrad's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Conrad? <laughs> no, you're exactly right. You know, and, and she's doing great. And uh, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of smack talk on the internet, but that exists, you know, all across with everyone. With and every that's industry. the part that gets me, and I, I, it seems like I'm always sticking up for Hunter for whatever reason. I just, um, I just think he's a talented guy. But if you had put Ashley in and no one knew who the hell she was, right? They'd all be screaming about she's the second coming, the greatest thing that ever happened. Yeah. But because her dad's standing there with her now, and you tell her that it's a flare. Well, that's the only reason she's there. Right. It's just easy, though. Well, that's not happening so much anymore. It's it's also not true when you measure apples to apples. Right. Yeah. She's there. Yeah, and she's better than I was all day long. So, as an athlete (laughs) and a performer. See, here's the deal. People on the Internet, when Rick says that, they get fired up. But what he means when he says that is three or four years into his career, compared to her three or four years into her career, she's at another level from where he was at that time. Not the 1986 Ric Flair. No, no, but what I'm just saying that I this is what I mean. Could I do a moonsault if I had started doing them 20 years or when I, you know, when I first got going? Yeah, but I mean, I, I I'm not the athlete that she is. I'm, I'm admitting it. That, it's a different mean. caliber athlete. Would you agree? What's that? It's a it's a different caliber of athlete in the business today. Yes. Who's performing in the business today. It is, but what but, you know. Back in the day. That's true in all sports. It is. You look at football players back right. then and now and basketball then and now and baseball then and now. With what we know about science and nutrition and, you know, all that other, everything's different. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like Fifi. Could Fifi beat uh, Charlotte? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a Casper mattress. Hey, Rick, we went to the Internet this week on Twitter, and we asked for, you know, something a little different. We've had a lot of success with hashtag AskNature. And this week, we went hashtag Ask Bruce. And since we're kind of talking about nepotism and kids in the business and how all that works, we had a great question from Lenny that's aimed for you, Bruce. Were you surprised when Shane left the biz? Yes, I was. I was surprised because Shane Shane loved the business. Shane loved the company and loved every single aspect of the business. Now, we give you a flip side on the personal side of Shane. Was I surprised that Shane left for the reasons that he did, which were his own personal reasons in not wanting to have a bunch of drama that he felt was unnecessary? That didn't surprise me. That part didn't surprise me. The fact that Shane would would walk away from the business that he loved, grew up, was a part of his makeup and his identity, yeah, that, that surprised me. 
Yeah, see, I don't know. I was as shocked as you are, Bruce, but I, I don't know what, you know, what what preempted that or what happened. Because one day he was there and one day he was gone. I, right, and and the only and again, that's where I get to that point too. The only ones that really know are, is Shane. Yeah, exactly. That, that truly, and, really knows is Shane. Family. I mean, I, we've discussed it. Yeah. But that's you know a personal conversation I've had with Shane, and it was not the rumor and innuendo. It's just that rumor and innuendo. That no one's ever going to really know him until you were in Shane's shoes. Yeah. Well, but our friend today, you know, and the, and the best way to do it is talk is Jericho, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Jericho. Chris, how are you, sir? Uh, it was a hell of a of an introduction, man. It isn't saying like being the wealthiest man in Alabama. It's like saying you have the most teeth in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, right away. This is what we need on the show is some controversy. There it is. What up, Mason? Tommy, how to do it, baby? Woo! Let's go. Come on. Here we go. Controversy. <laughs> so, Chris, <laughs> the thing I can't get over is you are able to say what you want to say, get away with it, crack on everybody, what's going on in the company, and you don't ever have any whiplash. I, I don't say anything because of Ashley, you know, and um, consequently, my podcast is boring. <laughs> so Chris, light us up today, and I, I won't comment or say I agree, other than that you get all the heat. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not really heat, Rich. It's just that I always I tell my opinions, and I don't. Um, and you'll understand that after being in this business, and not just in the wrestling business, but for being in in, in show business for twenty five years, I don't like fake. People and I don't like being fake as a return, so I always give my opinion exactly how I feel. And sometimes people don't like it, but you always know that I'll give you my uh, my true, true thoughts and feelings. And I think in the WWE, when you have a guy like Vince, who obviously is surrounded by a lot of yes men because that's just the nature of the beast, I think he feels very um, refreshed that I'm not a yes man, and I'll always give my opinion. That, that does he always agree with me? No. But at least I say what I feel is best for what we're trying to do in the business. And sometimes it's not popular and sometimes it is. But that's that's how I've kind of made my way through uh, through 25 years of doing this. Um, and believe me, when I first came to WWE, people hated me because of it. But I, I, I can't do it any other way because I love the business too much. So I always have to feel that I have to say what I think is, is the best what needs to be done, and whether it's popular or not, I'll deal with it later. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's very cool. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I've said from day one, it's just hard. My podcast is fun, and I've had some great people like Lawrence Taylor. I mean, you name it, I've had him on. Mongo had Mongo on, who, who actually, <laughs> wow. well, yeah, who actually, Conrad was speechless listening to Mongo talk. Oh, I mean, yeah, well, when he talks about taking girls' scholarships, that's the funniest <laughs> thing that's ever been said yeah. on the program. You know, oh. it's great. When, when I was in WCW, um, for whatever reason, I'm not sure exactly because, you know, Rick was always, you were always with your crew. And, and it, seemed, it seemed like my crew always ended up at the end of the night was me. Here's a Motley crew for you. Me, Raven, Kurt Henning, and Mondo. Wow. For whatever yeah. reason, it was always the four of us at the end of the night. So we ended up calling ourselves the Drunken Four Horsemen. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> last time with the night, it was only the four of us. And I'll tell you what, I don't have to tell you, Rick, and you, you've had him on the show, so I'm sure your listeners know. Bongo is one of A, A, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, one of the funnest guys to hang out with, and one of the craziest people I've ever been around as far as, you know, the proverbial take the Jack Daniels bottle and smash it over his head just to show you he could do it. Yeah, exactly. He won like nothing ever happened. Like, yeah. what a true uh, a true rock star in the business year-round. Even though he came from football, he totally understood what it was that, that you know, that we do both in the ring and, and outside the ring afterwards. Yeah. I mean, just, and like you say, a fabulous guy and fearless. Yeah. He, and fearless. I could never figure out why that Scott Hall bug him like he did, but I guess. Well, that was, but Scott Hall could do that. He was he was great at being able to get under your skin. Yeah. You know, and I think he kind of, I think he kind of got off on that. He enjoyed that, you know, and because I mean, he sure got under my skin. I'll tell you that. You know, uh, I, I know. I just I just oh. kept waiting for Mongo to, to go off one day, but he never did. He just ate his chicken wings and drank his beer and his Jack Daniels. <laughs> What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Also at the end there, Chris Jericho talks about how he can be brutally honest and still avoid getting heat. These next two clips are from this show, and it's about Ric Flair working with Hulk Hogan. Mr. T tweets, what's the fave match you've ever had with Hulk Hogan? And and that's a good question, H, because the one I remember most was the retirement match in 1994. That was Halloween Havoc in October of that year. Yeah. Well, that was the most fun because of Sherry, but I mean... I just had fun wrestling Hulk whenever I had a chance to, but I, I think probably our best match was that one in Orlando that kicked off the, uh, the company and, and got enough money in the bank to start Nitro, which I didn't know about at that time. To where to where Shaq was there and uh, right. Sherry was with me and uh, Jimmy was with him, and then of course the one the Halloween Havoc that you were at, where I was going to retire. Um, then of course they brought me back a month later. Um, so, uh, but with, because Sherry was so damn entertaining, but she climbed on top of the cage and Jimmy grabbed her and her dress came down. And I mean, just so much chemistry all the way around. And Mr. T looking at me going, you ain't gonna hurt me, are you? You ain't gonna hurt me, are you? I said, I'm not going to do anything to you, man. What are you talking about? He said, I, I, I don't, I don't know what should be in that cage, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Joey talked to me and when I see him. Well, I remember Muhammad Ali was there too, remember? Yeah, of course. Tommy Hearn, the, the hitman was there. And I have a picture. Now, listen yeah. to this, Nate. I have a photograph of me, you, and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And I can't find it. Oh, I got it here. It's somewhere, but I can't find it. I would have that on top of my coffin at the funeral. Yeah. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and that was fun. That was a great show. And nobody remembers the matches. I, and I was at a, a couple of them. The one in Pittsburgh, and I forget where the other one I went to was, but you and Hogan on that house show loop when you first got to WWE. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said uh, in a previous podcast, you got a very strong babyface reaction. Not totally, but it was kind of a split crowd, and I'm not sure the powers that be like that. Probably not, but um, 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just basically talking about the context of the match. I love he he was so over. You know, yep. there's guys there was guys like when Sean's a baby face and I was the heel that make Ricky Mort steamboat. Me against Jack Briscoe when Jack me me against uh, or like Terry against me. It took a real powerful heel in character and in work to heal on me. Terry could do it. Yep. And and I was a full fledged Right, no, there's no in between with me and Terry. That's why I work. And when there's no in between, it's the best matches and the most entertaining for the crowd. I Absolutely. really like when Ricky Morton when Ricky had that little oh, yeah. run with you. Yeah, uh, the Carolinas not, not, loved Ricky. They went nuts. Nine hour draws in one week. Wow. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. How did you feel by the second hour draw on Sunday? Oh, I was, I think Iron had the car full of beer before the match was over. <laughs> well, B, let's go. I've been in that car and I've had that beer. So that doesn't uh, yeah. stop me at all. When, when I went up there uh, and was working with Hulk, we came down in the South, man. And they weren't, they weren't, they weren't, Hulk was not. He, Hulk was not well received in the South. You know, we had we had to put, um, you know, that they 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 accepted us for what we were, and to them, NWA was wrestling. It wasn't a WWF or WWF at that time, and we had to put uh, soundtracks in to, to bring Hulk to TV because they well, were cool. But funny you mentioned that because. You know, we'll talk about this a lot next week. And and by the way, uh, when this podcast debuts on Wednesday the 19th, that is the 30-year anniversary to the day of you winning the 1992 Royal Rumble. Yeah. And speaking of using a soundtrack, uh, Hulk got booed at the end when he complained about Sid Vicious uh, pushing him out of the ring. And you yeah. got a big pop when you won the Royal Rumble. And and they changed the sound around for that one. They aired it afterward, didn't they? Oh, I don't know that. I, I, oh, yeah, you do. I know it. No, I, I didn't. I, swear, I, did, I did not know that. No. Yeah, they 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 sweetened the sound to make it seem like Hulk, you know, was getting cheered. But uh, but it was funny. I remember when when Hulk got pushed up by Sid, and Sid said, "It's every man for himself, big boy." That made sense to me. And then yeah. when Hulk grabbed Sid and helped you dump him, that was a heel move by Hulk. It, a lot of contradictory stuff there for Hulk's character. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That that like that's a strange time. We in in a relationship that I don't. I really am not privileged to know. A lot going on with Hulk and Vince at that uh, time. I think that TV show was coming his way with Thunder and Paradise. Right. Um. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons why WrestleMania didn't happen, but I think it all started at the Rumble. Because no, no, I didn't yeah. expect I, I didn't expect to win a Royal Rumble, uh, but I was just happy to be there. Does, does that make sense? Well, yeah, but I think you would have been disappointed had you just been another guy in the Rumble after that, having Mark, to I, I, last. I absolutely would not have been. I swear, I was really? so relieved to be away from WCW. All my friends, everybody in that ring, I was a friend with. Just a whole different vibe. To be in a positive, to be in a positive structure, a positive mindset is all I've ever wanted. Peace. To be in a, in a, and I'm sure there was some manipulating going on back, 
but I wasn't part of any of it. I was just there. I didn't have to argue about anything. I I just said, do I said whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And 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 that's basically the the, the way I. That's how I do. That's how I. I am I am at my best performing when I'm happy with what's going on. When I'm not worried about someone wanting to cut my hair or tell me to wear a earring or where I'm going to be the next day. Does that make sense? So well, I think you would have made a great was, gladiator, maybe better than Russell yeah. Crowe. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just, it was such, it was so good for me here, the year and a half I had there. It was great. So I would not have been disappointed because I didn't expect to win it. Now, if you, someone told me I was going to win it, I didn't win it, then it, I didn't know until I got to the building. Well, I think we missed out when you when you didn't become the gladiator. Uh, somebody called my my sports show the other day and said the Steelers were going to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs because Ben Roethlisberger is a gladiator. And I said, well, Russell Crowe was a gladiator too, but he wound up dead on the Coliseum floor. <laughs> we're just uh, a few days away from the live podcast, Hot Shots, you know, Fallon, Illinois, right by St. Louis. The night before the Royal Rumble, that's Friday, January 28th. And uh, Jim Hurd, the guy who wanted you to be the gladiator, who wanted yes. you to cut your hair, who wanted you to wear an earring, isn't he from St. Louis? Yes. He's, he's coming to the event. He's coming to the event. No, he's not. Yeah, absolutely is. Breaking news. Wow. Is that, are we supposed yes. to keep that secret or can we tell people? You could tell people. We're going to shake hands. The guy who wanted you to be the gladiator will yep. be at this live show. Yep. Because I have yep. a few questions for him. I'm sure you Yeah, he's, he's, come, he's coming to the show to shake hands, and we're all just going to become friends like it never happened. And, and you know what? It's too late. I, I, I have, <laughs> I've had worse grudges recently. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Me too. So, yeah. You know what I think you should do in honor of Jim Hurd at the, the live event at O'Fallon? Yeah, I, I, I might have I had to have... have trademark the gladiator and then have somebody else borrow that down the line that's what i did. <laughs> i think you should dress as a gladiator for the show <laughs> the earring too <laughs> at least get an earring yeah how could it hurt <laughs> well you know the dinglings are going to be there say it again the dinglings are going to be there the ding dogs please ding dogs <laughs> what about the hunchbacks remember the hunchbacks you want to have the hunchbacks i know about the hunchbacks we couldn't find anybody. We could because they had hunchbacks. We couldn't find anybody to dig a hole. <laughs> I can't let it. I can't let it affect my focus. It's very reminiscent of what we were going through in the the last couple months of WCW. Uh, and Rick, I'm sure it can tell you how nerve wracking that was. You know, you just hear different things and you never know. And there's certain things that uh, the people in charge can't tell you. You know, because. When you're doing business deals, there's certain information that just is private and can't really be out. And you know, they're waiting until deals get done and say anything. And so I would eliminate WCW. I was just like, I can't let this affect me. I can only control what I do in that, in that ring. That's the only thing I could control back then. And so that's kind of the same focus I have now. Like my area of where I work is the entering product. You know, I don't have, I'm not in any business deals. So it's important, but I can't let it, you know, affect what I do. I mean, it's like a football team, you know. If you're a, if you're a kicker, you don't really need to worry about what the quarterback's doing. You need to worry about kicking that ball, you know. So, I need to worry about my position and play my position as best I can, and and hopefully everything will work out for the best. You know, it's it's still a great product that has nowhere near the brand 
power that WWE has, uh, Monday Night Raw especially. But um, that you know, Vance is the man for a reason. He's not the, he didn't win all these wars because he's not good at what he does. So um, we you can't even worry about that. You just got to keep continuing doing and doing what they do, you know. And what they've done, the changes they've made since I've been there, and I'm not saying they're all because of me, but um, the changes that have been there, like the in-ring product right now, is really strong. And it's a good, it's a, it's a really good show. doesn't have the production value of, you know, WWE, but I think most shows on TV don't have the production value of WWE. You know, there's a reason that NFL jacks a lot of their ideas. There's a reason that the UFC jacks a lot of uh, the WWE ideas. They they got that promotion and production down to a science, and they're really good at that. So um, it's kind of hard to compete with that dollar, you know. So, so we can only focus on what we do, you know, and that's that's, that's what I. But I will say too, the last TV we, we were there was days before all the WWE rumors came out. Hit right, all the library. They bought this and. Uh, Rick, were you there in Panama when Shane McMahon walked in the room in the talent TV? Yeah, I was there. As a matter of fact, I had to wrestle Sting. And I argued yeah, I about it and booted Sting all night long. So you're talking about the last yeah. night, correct? Yeah, I know I know you had the show, but were you in that talent meeting that we had? Oh, yeah, because Jerry Briscoe was there, too. You're yeah, talking okay. about when they Did first that... came in and started telling everybody what we're going to do, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I sure was. Yeah, I, I thought that was going to happen again at the last CNA taping because all the WWE rumors came out the, the that couple of days before we went down there, and that, and uh, we were having another talent meeting, and I was like, and I was I'm the only one there that was at WCW in that talent. Meeting. Right. So yeah. Like, Shaman can't walk in here again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wasn't. If he does it to his wife, but I couldn't be hot because it worked out really well for me last time. But, it might work out really well for me again. But uh, I kind of hope TNA still does their own thing. I think having different products out there is better for the business overall. You know, I've, I've always been a fan of wrestling, you know, regardless of what three letters come before the wrestling. So right. I hope they continue to survive. And as long as they put out a good product, I, I'm all for it. You know, you know Ricky, I didn't know that you were an agent on there. And I'm not, I'm not by any means, I'm hoping this doesn't sound right. We won't air it, but I'm sure that they would consider you for that same job at WWE if you ever elected to do uh, that, because they can't get enough good guys. Um, you know, to very it's a much more taxing. Uh, it's, it's an exhausting job for the agents, you know, because of the travel and the amount of TV they produce. But um, if it if you ever get uh, tired of TNA and uh, um, I'm sure that uh, they would consider you in a heartbeat. Uh, I sure love hearing that. You know, I, I kind of heard rumors linking here and there once, uh, you know, word that out what I was doing. Now, I got to be honest, I love it a lot more than I thought I was. Because I yeah. always some of the agents. Well, you love the business. That's what, that's the key to it. To be successful in that in that capacity, you have to love the business, and you have to be very patient. I could never be an agent. It's difficult, you know. I have a I have a little bit of an advantage in that. One of the things with agents in WWE, they were great at what they did, but some of them, you know, like if you were a heel, you wanted Arn Anderson as your agent, right? Yeah. If you're a case and mask baby face, Steamboat would be the guy you wanted as your agent. Yeah. You know, each one of his agents that they were great at what they did, 
I've kind of had a weird career where I kind of did a little bit of everything. So there's not many scenarios that are going to come my way. And I have done. So um, I've been really fortunate with my career that experience has taught me a lot, you know, and about working with South guys and working with guys that aren't over because we work with somebody that over, as you all know, it's a little bit different than when you're working with somebody that the crowd doesn't give a shit about. So there's a lot of little things that, you know, my career has blessed me with that I'm able to pass on to, to some of the some of the guys there. And it's been really been really fun. And, I mean, the way they're taking to me has been really a, a blessing and you know, a big honor for me, too. On the end there, Shane Helms, Hurricane, gave you a very unique perspective on the drama between Dixie Carter and Billy Corgan. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that. It was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments whoop, they're out of here? No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all. Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's gonna make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there, we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's SaveWithConrad.com. Coming up next, we've got Sting talking about when he first met Ric Flair. I'll give you to the stinger. Go ahead, Conrad. Well, I don't know about that. It is a great honor to speak to you, sir, and you're clearly our most requested guest, so we appreciate you taking time to speak with us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess, you know, what everybody wants to talk about is, you know, more about your and Rick's history, and uh, I know a lot of folks uh, want us to talk about the Clash of the Champions and the Great American Bash and all that, but 
Where did this all get started? Where did you guys first meet? Rick and I, we met, uh, well, through uh, Jimmy Crockett um, in the NWA. Uh, he, he ended up buying out uh, Cowboy Bill Watson's so smaller wrestling organization in, I don't know, somewhere around 1987 or somewhere around there. And so I was kind of uh, just kind of adopted in the, in that way. And uh, Jimmy only took a handful of the wrestlers from Cowboy Bill Watts. And I, along with uh, Rick Steiner and a few others, were the only ones. And, and uh, that's where I first met Rick. Yeah, what what year would that have been, Conrad, when they bought off Mid-South? Yeah, I think Sting has it right. I think that was 87 uh, because the whole Crockett thing happened uh, with Turner in 88. So that would have that would have made sense. Uh, when you were one of the guys who were selected to come over, uh, what was your impression of how Crockett was different from maybe the way Watts had run his territory? Well, it, it just seemed like we had hit the big time, you know, um, uh, I mean, I realized how, how lucky I was, you know, at that point, you know, there a lot of the guys just found themselves with, without a job. And we knew about uh, the NWA and we knew about Rick Flair and we knew about Dusty Rhodes and uh, the Road Warriors and you know, Midnight Express. And, you know, we, we knew about all these guys and, and um, they looked up to them and, and we always wanted to get in there and, and you know, rub shoulders with them and somehow or another get to that level. So, you know, for, for me, it was, it was like I'd hit the big time, you know, I mean, I, it, this is it. Okay. I've arrived now and, and now I got to make the most of it. And at the time, well, you did, man, you, you, <laughs> the day you walk in that door, I looked at you and said, <laughs> I looked at Crockett and said, there's dollar signs written all over this guy. Handsome, blonde, painted. Let's do it. <laughs> God, yeah. I mean, what what an impression yeah, you made. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I was given opportunity. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that I didn't work hard to get there. I I, I did. I I mean, I paid dues and worked hard, and I was respectful to the the guys that were above me and before me, and and you know, kind of listened and learned instead of. You know, some so many of them over the years, Rick. I mean, you saw it over and over and over again. Yeah, it just you just can't keep your mouth shut and and always want to do it their own way and and not even know what they're really even talking about. And so, for me, that's just that's just the way I I did it. And you know, the next thing you know, you're you're in this big program with Ronnie Garvin and the big build up, and we go to Detroit. And I can't remember if it was Joe Lewis or Kobo, one one of the Joe Lewis, and, yeah. Joe Lewis, yeah, $110,000 gate, you know, which was huge for the NWA then. And uh, Ronnie wins the title. We come back there less than 30 days later and to a $10,000 house. And so they put the belt back on you, and now they want to put it back. They want you to have a program with, I can't remember if it was Ricky Morton or somebody, but Ricky got hurt, whoever it was, got hurt. So there was no opponent for you. And this was when... Uh, Dusty, and and maybe you were in it as well. But you know, I, I want to put you with Rick. <laughs> that was that was that was where the door opened for me right there. All right, Rick. Let's talk about TuneIn Radio. Now, here's the thing: the TuneIn Radio app is all you need for all things audio. Now, with TuneIn Premium, you can listen to every single NFL game for only seven ninety nine a month. 
and you're going to get unlimited access to 40,000 audiobooks and commercial-free music, all for one low price. That's TuneIn Premium. All the audio you want for $7.99 a month. Woo! Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Yeah, well, let me just go back to what, what you said about working hard. But I know for a fact, because we were married for a couple of years, you wrestled at least 30 minutes every night, seven days a week, sometimes twice That's on right. Saturday and twice on Sunday. So I know That's how hard right. you worked because <laughs> I was with you. <laughs> we had the yeah. best routine, but I tell you, it ha it couldn't have been too difficult wrestling the world's greatest athlete, right? Oh, man. <laughs> that trot around the ring and trying to cover my face. Oh, Conrad, he used to get in the ring, hit the ropes, and say, here's the world's greatest athlete. He'd have to put his hand over his mouth to start laughing. Oh, I also remember the, the first time working for you, and the first house show we did, and, you know, you, you put me through 30 minutes, and I came back blue. I about passed out, remember? And the next day, I was doing step-up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because, Steve, I'm, and I'm not saying this by any way demeaning, you weren't a guy that partied a lot. You know what I mean? I'm, you just stayed focused, and you were, you know, real family-orientated, and, you know, <laughs> I said, this guy's just a machine. And I kept saying to myself, because I, I kidded Steve, I said, how do you just not release, man? You can't do this. Maybe, maybe you haven't been doing it long enough. You're going to have to find some vehicle of recreation after this because it's a long night every night. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you wore me down, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but uh, I mean. You, you, you ended up wearing me down, that's <laughs> for sure. Everybody did. So, Well, the thing of it is, is like the thing that's really cool, and, I, and there's a few people I can say this about, but I hadn't seen uh, Sting, uh, Conrad, in 10 or 11 years, and I, you know, knew he was at TNA, and I'd watched him on TV, but I don't even think we'd communicated. I don't know if they had his number. I did it one time, but you know how there's a relationship with someone that's just so special that I, mean, I couldn't wait to get the TNA, but not because I was going with Hulk and all that, but I was going to get to see, I really like Kurt Angle a lot, as you know, Steve, and, I, and, yeah. I love, and of course, I love Sting, and man, there we were back there at the set and he walked to the door and it was like, we never lost a beat. And then, yeah. And then of course they put us in the same dressing room and I drove him crazy for two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was awesome. Yeah. It was a good reunion. I was glad to have you back. I, I had so many on that. I, I don't know about you, but I had so many of the younger guys there who approached me later and said, it was unbelievable. There's the you and Rick. They can. I know. Each other. Everybody thought that was so cool. <laughs> well, you know, it's yeah. funny. It's it's very cool. I mean, it's it's so awesome to look back on your career. And I've been fortunate enough to have that with, I think, pretty much the same relationship with Steamboat that I have with you. Um, but also later in life, I had it with um, uh, with uh, with Sean and Hunter. You know what I mean, I got to wrestle them a lot before I retired and obviously Sean at that last night in Orlando. But, um, the thing for me, it's what, what makes you a little different is you were able to walk away from it. Man. The minute I retired, I was lost the next day to this day, Steve, and, and I'm with Wendy. She'll tell you, I get up and drive my car a hundred miles in the morning 
and drink two cups of coffee before I go to the gym. Just because I, I mean, I'm not used to it. I mean, I, I still yeah. can't. I can't get it out of my blood. I'm not used to this laying around. I can't watch TV. I mean, it, unless it's LeBron James and, or, or football, I'm lost. <laughs> right. And so it's just funny, but you've been you able you were able to walk away and find peace, and and then of course, how long were you off? For you? How long did you take off after our match and at, at Club La Vila, the closing night? You, you and I were both saying, "Thank God this is over." <laughs> WCW. Oh yeah, no, I first of all, that was that was a pretty emotional night for me. Oh, me too. I, I saw my life pass, you know, before my eyes, and and you know, here I am wrestling once again, Rick. And gosh, the, the blast of all the years before that, um, and all the matches and all the, and then all, all of a sudden it's like, what, what's going on? I mean, it's just surreal. It's like, what is happening here? You know? And, uh, pretty, pretty emotional night for me. And what was the first part of <laughs> you were looking for something else there, but I just got caught up in that moment because it was, yes, no. I was like you, like, okay, let's, let's get out of here. But, you know, no, 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 I was saying that, you know, I, I vehemently argued with Vince. I wasn't in shape to wrestle. I, I wore a t-shirt and I had just let Bischoff <laughs> shave my head. I had a crew cut, right? I mean, I had your hair from <laughs> before does that make sense right with the spike yeah, yeah. and i had a t-shirt because i was so fat I and mean, then and you just had shoulder surgery right or something like that i don't remember now i you bet you've been off with an injury too but vince insisted no it, it it was my elbow that's right both both of my elbows yeah yeah we, you, had, were, you had been out too and it, but he insisted i mean i argued with shane mcmahon all day i said we, sting and i aren't ready we, why can't we be remembered for what we were, because this won't be anything like it tonight. <laughs> right. Because I said, Steve, can you press slam me? He said, no, the elbows aren't doing it. So, you know, <laughs> it was just a smidgen of what you and I brought to the business. And I, and I actually was embarrassed, but at the same time, I was so happy that that place was gone because I, in the last five years for me, aside from when I got to work with you, which once in a while I could talk Eric into, you know, and uh, I'd say, look, I'll bet you anything we get a rating. Cause you know, cause they, they, you do know that every time they needed something, right. They put you and I together in one way, shape or form. Cause it always worked. Yeah. You know, and it, oh, was, I, it was yeah. never an argument. Okay. Wasn't about who won or lost. It was just, it is right. what it was. So. Yeah. And you're right about that. And I do remember though, at least for a second, I thought I remembered what, Gosh, my mind is going everywhere right now. Oh, what did I do? That was the question. What did I do afterward? It was about, or how long was it? It was close to five years. Before you went to TNA? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, I did, you know, I did, I went to New Zealand. I went to Korea. I went to Australia. I went to the UK, you know, a few little trips. I did some third party stuff here and there. Uh, but, very little over about a five-year period. You, you wrestling over there or just doing appearances? Wrestling. Oh, cool. Okay, good. So, yeah. well, you know, once you got healed up, I mean, you were still you were still a young guy. I mean, you know, it's funny because, you you know, we've all been knocked around. I've been the luckiest of all because I don't have any injuries. I did crack C5 in my neck. I remember you remember that. And that I know. Yeah. I, I had that. I know the pain you had in your neck because I thought I was going to die. 
But well, Rick, I mean, you, you just everybody knows this about you. I mean, the most durable of all, probably. I mean, plane crashes and wrestling, and somehow or another, you're you end up better than everybody. I don't know how that works. How uh, does somebody survive a plane crash? You know. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, working with guys like you made it easy because I'm telling you, I have. I would rather take a press slam from you, a suplex off the top rope, anything like that. Than some of the stuff I had to do with Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Please give me Sting. I don't care. He can press. We had a routine down. And you know what? People could say, God, they do the same thing every night. The people never stopped, man. I mean, figure four, beat in your chest, turn it over, <laughs> backslide. Oh, I, I, I can't tell you how, how many times, you know, that the, in the later years when they would put us together and you'd say, okay, you know, you keep you, you talking about. You ready for the press plan? You ready for this? And I go, man, we gotta change it up. We gotta, <laughs> let's do something different. You see, see. <laughs> and you tell me that this is a story about you know they they come here to see me flip over the top rope. They come here to see you beat on your chest. They come. I go, okay. I, I forget who it was that you said you you used to watch, and if you didn't see him do that flip over the top turnbuckle, you you, you know you feel like you didn't get your money's worth. Ask Conrad. He didn't. <laughs> he hated it. <laughs> Ray Stevens is who you're talking about. He told me that story of that. Ray Stevens. Yes. Yeah. The name escaped me. It was Ray Stevens. That's right. Yeah, when I was a kid, if he didn't do it, man, I was so damn mad I went home and said, I may not watch wrestling again. <laughs> yeah, that's what you used to tell me. And I, and I go, all right, all right, let's do it again. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, how many times, think about it, if I run down, taking the flip, and Steamboat's chopped me running down the apron, right? Then I started doing it oh, with yeah. you, and we got just as big a pop with you. <laughs> yeah, except for mine was the clothesline. Not yeah, the clothesline, yeah. but it didn't matter. Dumped yeah, off to the floor. Right. And the thing about you, Steve, which really was that's the same thing about Steamboat, I will say that. Shawn Michaels, Hunter, the same way. A lot of guys don't like it. Steve, let me whack him, Conrad. <laughs> I mean, he had that chest, you know, that, that perfectly carved-out chest flat on top where and he let me whack him and that's all i needed because that was my offense a knee drop <laughs> falling on my face yeah. and chop <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my God. you've had a lot of good lines my favorite is you know uh conrad like you i swear to god every monday mongo shows up with fifteen thousand minimum cash in his pocket and I go, Mongo, you put, but by, by the time you went back. There's a lot of strange joints along that road being a traveling carny that I ain't hit, baby. Yeah, but so I go, Mongo, what the hell do you do with $15,000 every week? Because <laughs> he, he'd come in on Monday, wouldn't go home till Friday. He just stayed on the road. He said, kid, I got more money than I got time. Go <laughs> well, yeah. well, that was a bad, that was us laughing backstage. Man, I got some. There, there was more fun in that backstage in that locker room and on the wrestling road than I'd ever had on a football road because you know that was a grind and that was serious. But man, that 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 locker room backstage that that was what made it fun for me because the road was you were traveling, Carney Flair, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm traveling with you. Yeah. The problem well, I, is, you know, every man's got to get out and experience his Dante's Inferno. And let me tell you what, I've been to the night gate of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, where would that be? You know, some places like Homer, Louisiana? Yeah. I don't care who you are, what race you are, you don't stay there after dark. You get out of that town. Places like that? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, some uh, some Ric Flair partying stories. You know, oh, Nate is a thing everybody wants to talk about on the show, and surely you've got a fun drinking story or partying story with Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Oh, Flair. You know, he wears his panties out in the ring. He's an exhibitionist. You know that, don't you? <laughs> All right. I'm at, uh, we're at Caesars Palace, and you know when you walk in the, the round casino and then the elevators, that main little walkway to the yeah. cross, and you're, you're at the elevators to go through the rooms? All right. I'm there after a pay-per-view, and I'm playing blackjack at one of the tables on that, you know, that walkway to go to the elevators and I hear woo I turn around I don't know what he'd been doing upstairs but he was fully erect <laughs> he's got one of his robes on and I hear woo I turn around he's flashing the whole casino <laughs> well, did I, was I just drunk and dreaming that flare? Did you actually do it? Yeah, you were drunk and dreaming. I could never have. I guess, yeah. I had a lot of dreams about you, Flair. <laughs> and the devil, who was right on your shoulder, saying, go ahead and do it. And I did. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. For John Esther, I'm going to tell about all the times you started out at Nitro and we couldn't find you for Thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that, that time, uh, Charles Barkley was waiting for me in Phoenix <laughs> to do a Nitro show. We just done a pay-per-view in Vegas, but I had three girls up there in the bed uh, at the, uh, where was it, the MGM, and I called up old Dick Dillinger, told him, well, son, uh, if you had this scenario going on, would you come to Phoenix? And he went, well, I guess we'll see you next week, Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um, oh, boy. Listen, so um, when I had the Gold's Gyms, Conrad, I had uh, – Steve come open up one of them. He said I'd, he came into Charlotte, and uh, so I had a limo pick him up, and we went and did the signing, and uh, so <laughs> this is the greatest story of all time. So the no. limo driver, uh, Steve goes, I said, Steve, I got to go home. I'm still married, you know, barely, but I got to go home. And Mom goes, well, I'll just take the car for a while. So I go into my gym at, at South Park the next day at noon, right, to work out, and the guy that owns the company was working out the gym, he says, Where'd your friend go? And I said, I don't know. He's back at the hotel. He said, he's not back at the hotel. He said, and I, my car's not back yet. I said, what time is it? He said, it's noon. I said, you kidding? We didn't find Mongo until 6 p.m. that night. <laughs> and then he checked into the hotel. Show up. You know, hey, listen, then he checks into the South Park Suites. He calls me because he's already gone through 10 grand and said, can I have 1,500 bucks? I said, of course you can. I went and got fifteen hundred bucks, and he just stayed in the hotel for another three days. <laughs> um, and then, and then uh, I had my big I'm Christmas old. party with three hundred people, right? Three hundred people, bankers, you know, oh. and Mongo comes walking downstairs. Yeah. This was the first Christmas party to thank all his business partners, everything in Charlotte. To oh, been you've been good partners. Well, I show up, I'm dressed up like bad Santa. 
I got the Santa costume on. And, you know, I haven't shaved, so I've got three days of stubble, and I'm carrying a Jack Daniels bottle and drinking straight out of it. And smoking a cigar. Flair, have you ever seen Flair ghost white pale <laughs> and can't utter a word? I'm walking in this party, thinks, oh my God, I've lost them all. Yeah. By the by, by the time that night was over, every one of them's wife had sit in my lap and took a picture of smiling, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he looked like Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. The only thing he didn't have <laughs> yeah. was a hunk of salmon hanging yeah, out. Yeah, that's where I got the character. <laughs> <laughs> God. I didn't even know how to ruin this. <laughs> when did you go home? I don't remember. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> After that first one lost her scholarship, I was on the search. <laughs> and I finally found her, baby. <laughs> I, was just here, I was just here playing Go Fish with our offspring. <laughs> Boy, it's great being a dad for her. I'm glad I waited because it would have brought me down to her so bad I would have been a pussy out on the football field. Yeah. Seven years old, she jumps up on the bed the other day to look at me. I said, don't worry, you're going to be, be tall like daddy one day. But she said, but not as fat, right? <laughs> so it's great. The other day, uh, they're both ignoring me. And I'm, I'm in here play whining. Ah, you know what she's out here safe from across the hallway yelling? You know you're great. Quit your whining. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter sent that to you? Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. How old is she now, Steve? I'm living a good life now, baby. It's beautiful. How old is she now? Seven. Seven years Seven old. Seven years old in second grade. Wow. That second grade homework's getting hard, too, baby. Good Lord. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every bit of homework for me was hard for 13 that's years. A, that's always been your genius. You've always been able to forget the past. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Done that already. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. That, that match the other night, the AEW between Lance Archer and Hangman Page was a lot of blood. And we have talked frequently about blading, which you turned into an art form, if I do say so myself. But one thing I forgot to ask you when we talked about it, what's the worst you ever bled? And, and did a cut ever get out of control to where you were worried about things as they were happening? Um, no. You always felt like, like it was cool. Yeah. I I I like it when they I like it when they got the staples, and the, and the stitches. The, uh, the the staples easy, the stitches could be a pain in the ass. Really? Why would the staples uh, hurt less than the stitches? Boom, 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 boom. You're just done, right? You're done. The stitches, Novocaine and all that shit. I mean, when you if they catch you fresh, like me, I always get it done before I take a shower. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes I say shower up and come back. I go no, just I'll shower, fix me now. While I'm still boom, boom, you know what I mean? Now it's when it's when the adrenaline wears out that shit hurts. <laughs> you never use super glue like some guys did, do you? No, no. What What do you think of that? That That's kind of a special alternative. I, 
not they have put glue on top of the staples before but it was a bad one. Oh, I've seen guys. I was backstage at ECW once, and I forget who did it, but I saw a guy just actually super glue the cut. Yeah, I've never done that. No. Yeah, I'm not sure I would want to. Uh, what's the most days in a row you ever bled? Because I bet it's a lot, but still your scar tissue, as we've talked about, isn't that bad. Well, I can, I probably could say I bled every day one time, a couple times for a whole year. Really? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? I mean, especially back in the time when I was doing those hour matches, I couldn't wait to get the blade out. <laughs> you could get the, if nothing else is going on, you could always get it with a blade. Now, uh, your white hair was made for blood. Yeah. One of my first exposures to Ric Flair, apart, I think I told I you, used, Rick. I used to like swing it in the crowd. <laughs> well, I told, I've told you many times and certainly years ago, when I was a kid, the first time I saw you was uh, if you had a UHF antenna out the window of my house, because I lived on the high still in Pittsburgh, you could get, I forget if it was the station from Johnstown or Steubenville, either Johnstown, PA or Steubenville, Ohio, but they had Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I saw that stuff. It was on 1 a.m. right after WWF on WORTV from New York. So that was my first exposure. But my other exposure was you on the cover of the After magazines, like the wrestler and inside wrestling. Yeah. Do you, do you have any of those pictures? Some of those pictures with you bleeding and the white hair were unbelievable. I, I had all of them, but once again, they're in the hands of somebody that decided to keep my memory bleeding. One of the wives. We got to get it all back someday, Nate. What do you think? Yeah, that would take a lot of groundwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Isn't it, it, it funny? Last week I discussed how Tiffany stole seven robes. That didn't make the news. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, it, it, nobody, gotta, cares, nobody cares about shit that's real. They always, well, want, they always want to jump on the stuff that's make-believe. What would make it tough to reassemble everything, you have to make too many stops. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not a matter of if Ric Flair blades on this podcast, but when. It's WrestleMania season. And Rick had a match with Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, and they talk all about it here. Yes, took on such a, a realism, you know, that it was just, and it was hard enough to get caught up in. And I, and of course, when I get, you know, when I, when that kind of stuff, and that kind of emotion starts to, you know, to happen, they, for me, I don't fight it. Because, I mean, it, to me, it, if you don't resist it, it helps it. The more you get into it, the more you, you know, become part of it, dude, it just works better. You know what I mean? And that's, and uh, again, that's why to this day, there are a bunch of dudes who think they're big, bad, rough, and tough, but every one of them will look at you and go, dude, I cried when you looked at Richard Fold and you loved him. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, oh, everybody I'm, did. Yeah. I, Including I, me. <laughs> yeah. No, but I did yeah. too. But that was, that was the, that was the point of all of that was to tap in, yeah. something so much bigger uh you know in all of us and, and it was it was you know everything about that match was to tap into the 15 year old boy and every person that's ever watched a wrestling match you know what i mean and, yeah. and so uh and that and again that, that's something i feel like we did and that's well always that will always be one of my most you know proudest most memorable moments ever because it's where you know it was the culmination of you know of of everything that you loved about old wrestling. 
manifested yeah. itself in a, in, a wrestling, in a wrestling match at WrestleMania. If you think about it, I was 59 years old. And sometimes I look back and say, I couldn't have possibly been 50. I was 59 years old in 2008. And, uh, but I was still in decent shape. I mean, I certainly uh, had some cosmetic issues, but as far as working out, I was in good shape. I'm not saying I was the cosmetic uh, cover of uh, muscle fitness or anything, but I could I could still I could still walk around without wearing my shirt. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then and then to go out there in front of seventy eight thousand people, and I've told this story a thousand times, but I'll, I've got to do it again. First of all, when we went around with Michael Hayes was our agent, and we you know went and talked and sat down and whatever. He said the first day we got there in Orlando, he said, listen, you're going to do something you've never done in your life. You're just going to keep your mouth shut and listen to this. <laughs> he said to me, you know, he was serious. He just yeah. keep your mouth shut and listen to this. I put a lot of thought time into this. I didn't fly over here from Texas to have you keep me shit. This is what we're doing, and this is it. <laughs> and then I'm telling you, we're standing in a gorilla, and he's jumping around, and I'm going, he comes to the gate. That's it. Remember what I told you? Just keep your mouth shut. Let's do it. <laughs> I started crying last day before I got in the land. They think I'm not On Tuesday, this will be their night. Or when I said we got there Wednesday, he said, you just keep your mouth shut this week. Do something you've never been able to do. Just shut yeah. up and listen. Learn this. Get it down on this world. <laughs> and I did, I did forget a couple of things when he told me in the ring. He said, hey, A, B, C, D, dumbass. <laughs> you, just, you just missed B. <laughs> I, was, I was so wired for sound. I mean, I just, I knew, I knew exactly this. I've, I've never been so sure of anything in my life. I do, if we do this, this is going to be. Yeah. You know, it, it, uh, you know and I, I thought, want, it was I, tremendous. Wow. I'll tell you something, Conrad, and I think I've told you this, Conrad, but Sean knows this too. It's like you never know. You, you think, oh, my God, and you're so wrapped up in the emotion. But when you know when you walk back in that, through that curtain and in the gorilla and everybody is going crazy, that something good has come down. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there was a time in my life, and I'm sure Sean still feels that way now. I mean, I've had some very – I've had – and it's, as I thought Sean was going to address earlier, I've had some – times where I was very insecure as I got older because people kept telling me I was old, you know, just, and I don't have to go down the memory lane with that, but, um, um, but it made me insecure and it made me insecure about my ability, even though I could still really perform the age where it hit me so many times from so many different angles. So, um, but it didn't even, but I came through that curtain and, and I, I know Sean walked back there saying that this was great. You know what I mean? But I've had so many people over the years tell me it was great, but I didn't know if it was good or bad. I mean, I knew it was highly emotional. I knew the crowd was into it huge. I knew that Sean had performed like nobody else. But to, to, to walk back through that curtain, and you had to be there, kind of had to understand that the whole company was there waiting for us. Not, not just the guys, the technical people. The whole company was lined up the whole length of the hallway. Remember, Sean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just and I and I went, God, you know, I, I guess I guess it all worked out right. And then Sean pulls me aside. He says, before you get busy with your family, I want to talk to him. So I thought, you know, he's either going to tell me what I didn't do right, you know, I, you know, I kind of I didn't know what he was going to say. He and he says, come here. We went back there, and he opens up his bag and takes out two green boxes with Rolex on them. 
and says, here, I want you to have this for me. And hence the uh, the Rolex stories. I mean, unbelievable. A $65,000 watch. Well, Conrad, you've seen it. Yeah. Sean has the same one. Sean, tell, said, tell us uh, about that. How did it, it come about? Uh, Sean did that. Oh. I didn't I didn't ask for it. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, it was something when I when I knew we, you know, I knew probably I guess you know at least a month in advance that we were going to have this match, and and, and I, you know it, it was important to me. You know, I mean, this was this was uh, you know, look, I I I've taken all of my WrestleMania matches seriously. Um, you know, I probably uh, take. One, I thought, you know, I'm 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 guilty of taking one uh, majority of my wrestling matches way too serious. Then I take my you know raw matches too serious, and then my pay per view matches even more serious, and then my WrestleMania matches way, uh, way, 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 uh, probably unhealthily uh, too serious. <laughs> and so, and then and then of course I took this one with Rick. Uh, it was it was important to me, and so um, you know I want I, I wanted to know how it. You know, this would be special. And then, of course, again, we went back to me being 15, and I just thought, you know what? What I'd like to do is us to have, you know, matching Rolexes. I want to be the limousine riding Rolex where we were dealing with Teal and Son of a Gun just one time with him. And, uh, you know, I, I, and, and so, you know, and I wanted to get them done a certain way and, and something that would be memorable, that we'd remember forever. And, and engrave something on them and and so uh you know it it's it, it, you know i'd like what went, went to the you know this these jewelers that uh i know pretty well and asked them if they could look this is what i'm thinking about doing and can you get this done the only thing they couldn't get done that's why we have the 24 on there i was going to do it at the roman numerals and there just isn't enough room you know what i mean yeah yeah to do it that it would be you know sort of legible that you could see it um uh and so you know so you know, we uh got it done and, and like i said i was then it was a matter of like, oh, how do i get them to them and, you know i i didn't know obviously when it, i just figured we'd do it when it came back and but then you know you come back and of course everybody's back there and, and uh you know and then again it was it was an emotional night for him i knew it was going to be a long night for him and then, so i just you just i need just five minutes of your time and I wanted to, you know, express to him what not just the match meant to me, but what, you know, he's meant to me, certainly professionally over the years. And then of course, on top of that to have grown into, you know, having a real friendship, a real life friendship with this guy that, you know, you used to just sit there and watch on T V. You know, my official role was the last two years there, right? With 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 uh, with uh, Sean. No. You know what it was, right? No. Or, order room service for eleven. <laughs> oh yeah, he go Nate. Room service. Yeah. I, what do you want? I'll, I'll take a double chicken Caesar, two shrimp cocktails, a plate. <laughs> my job was to call the hotel because he was always on last if I wasn't with him. Call the hotel, have room service delivered, put in his room by the time he got back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. 
Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their 40s this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Jeff Hardy is a big name in wrestling news right now. And back in 2016, Jeff was unsure how much more he had left in the tank due to injuries. That we grew up watching and, and, and were able to work with is just a huge honor and, and dream come true. And then when you actually uh, first met Rick, would that have been when you were working uh, preliminary matches or would that have been when Rick came over to the WWE in 2001 or two or whatever that was? I, I'm not sure. I don't remember uh, exactly when that was. I, mean, I know it's in the WWE when I first met, but I can't remember exactly. Uh, I don't know if Rick does, but I, it was it yeah. was somewhere in the WWE after the Attitude area, Era, uh, sometime after that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I came I in. Early rem- I came in, and you and uh, Matt were like the biggest, two of the biggest components in the company. And uh, um, okay, and then uh, you know, so that was that was during the Attitude Era, maybe. No, right, uh, right after one, right after, Place, two, right after. Okay, gotcha. yeah, okay. and uh, I knew that, that right. Michael Hayes loved you guys, and uh, to this day, I mean, he's a huge fan of yours, as is everybody. I mean. Conrad, I, it's hard to explain, but um, and this is taking nothing away from Matt, but Jeff was over like Sting, like Ricky Steamboat. I mean, one of those guys. I mean, he just he he captured the imagination of not only every young kid. I mean, a young kid, middle, just kids, period, and adults. But the the girls loved him. It was Jeff Hardy, Swanton man. <laughs> And I only took yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Oh, no problem. man. Yeah. I, I was as nervous working with you. If you thought you were nervous, <laughs> you know, I, oh, in, my, in, in my prime, <laughs> I was going off the top rope once in a while, but I was doing inverted dives, swan tons. And I swear to God, I, I, every time I see Jeff or I see Beth, I say, how is he holding up? You never slow down, man. You just keep going. And now you got a broken leg from playing around in your front yard on a motorcycle, right? Yeah, yeah. And you you were doing those swantons all those years before. My, I had a little different style to mine, but for all those years, you were off that top turnbuckle, man, doing basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I uh, 
broke my leg April 28th on my dirt bike uh, and my tractor that I designed. I made uh, three jumps probably two, two and a half years ago, and I've been terrified of them. Um, but uh, I was wrestling good when Matt and I won the TNA World Tag Team titles. I, I feel like I was wrestling the best I've ever wrestled in my entire life. And, you know, and I was also riding good because my, during my whole career, I've always rode, you know, dirt bikes, motocross in my spare time. And I finally built up the nerve to, to do one of them, and it went great. I made it. I waited about a month before I attempted the next one, and, and again, it was terrifying, but that, I, I got over that fear and went for it, and I made it. It was great, but that third one, man, the same kind of thing. I was afraid that the fear got the best of me because I could have hit it a little faster, but I came up short, and it was horrible. I mean, I just, I cased the landing so bad, and I just remember waking up on the ground and, in terrible pain, I couldn't breathe, and for the first time in my life, I could not get back up. And my buddy was out there filming it, and I, I said, "Yeah, yo, we gotta call nine one one. I gotta, to, you know, I gotta go to the hospital." So I, it, I, at first, I thought I broke both legs. It felt so intense, but um, yeah, it, luckily it was just my right leg. And now the problem is, after four to five months of uh, dealing with that, my knee was swollen for so long. So I finally went back to the doctor that did my surgery. And I said, something's going on with my knee, man. You can really see it now that the swelling's starting to go down, and it just moves like it's so unstable. And he said, oh, wow, you you must have a torn ACL. I must have missed that because I was just focusing on your fixing your tibia. So then I go in for MRI, get the MRI, come back to that same doctor. He said, wow, this is amazing. Your ACL's not torn, uh, but we need to remove 20% of your meniscus. And I was going, what? Something strange is going on there. Wow. So I went to it. And knee specialist for a second opinion, thank God, because when I went to him, they totally misread my MRI. My PCL is destroyed, and that's what the problem is. That's why I have no stability in my knee. It's amazing I can walk as good as I can. I actually got a pretty good brace. It feels to stabilize it pretty good. I, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna try to like wrestle with it, see how it goes. But I mean, I'm, I'm definitely looking at a, a surgery to go in there and, and uh, surgically repair it because. For me to ever be back to, you know, because there's so many things I couldn't do now as far as landing on my knees, I, especially the way I wrestle. And I mean, it would, I would have to totally modify my style, which I'm, I'm going to anyway. But long story short, uh, they got to go in there and take out that rod that they put in my tibia to, to fix it and drill another hole through the tibia to fix the PCL. And then six to nine months, I'll hopefully be uh, 100% again. Well, yeah, other than that, I'm doing okay. Okay. All right, Rick, now it's time to talk about our very favorite sponsor here on Woo Nation. It's Casper Mattress. And, of course, we like talking about Casper Mattress because if anybody is a mattress expert, it's Rick Flair. Am I right? A limousine-riding, jet-flying mattress expert. <laughs> and why do you need to know about Casper? Well, because they're the online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. See, the mattress industry has inherently forced customers into paying notoriously high markups. But Casper is revolutionizing the industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and just passing that savings directly on to you, the consumer. So here's what you need to know about Casper. These mattresses have been obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. They've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, and they do this by combining two technologies, both latex foam and memory foam, and they're going to come together for brighter nights and better days. Isn't that right, Rick? Brighter nights, longer nights, and for sure, brighter days. Come on. Risk-free trial and a return policy all in place for you, Casper, as well. 
And here's what they're going to recommend you do. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Here's what we're talking about. These mattresses are made right here in America, and they're at an outstanding price. Only 500 bucks for a twin-size mattress, only 950 for a king-size mattress. When you compare that to the industry average. Conrad, and Conrad, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Don't forget that, how does that song go? About a little afternoon delight on a Casper? Holy cow, man. <laughs> it works. And you can do it right now and get a great deal. All you've got to do just for listening to Woo Nation is go to casper.com forward slash flare. How do you spell flare, Rick? F-L-A-I-R. And when you get there, you're going to get an extra 50 bucks off. So it's already a great price, but just for listening to our show here, Woo Nation, get an extra 50 bucks off, just go to casper.com forward slash flare. And when you get there, you're going to enter what promo code, Rick? F-L-A-I-R. Woo! Casper.com forward slash flare. Don't forget the promo code, flare. Woo! Yeah, well, we, you know, I only keep up with you through what I hear from people. I mean, you know, I, I talk to you guys when I see you. I've seen you, I guess, last time I saw you was in Charleston. Um, you and Beth were there with Matt um, at a signing we had with uh, Perkins, Steve Perkins. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and we talked a little bit there. But, um, gosh, um, was it was so great seeing you. I mean, not only did you, I, I think you're one of these guys that's transcended uh, the business in terms of, you know, no, nobody did that. And then Ed, you, you and Matt were doing it. Then along came edge and, you know, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And then, you know, it, I think it got to the point where the, they raised the bar so high. You guys did, uh, in terms of what you guys were doing on those ladder matches and stuff. And then, uh, I think the company kind of backed off for a while because it's the worst it's the worst injury pay-per-view of the year. And this year, they only came right. out with one guy getting hurt. So, And even that wasn't too bad. But what you guys have put yourself through, and I mean, to this day, that the two greatest bumps I've ever seen, obviously, fully going off the cage onto the table, but they play that spot of edge spearing you in midair 12 feet there all the time. And I'm going, not a chance, nature boy. Not a chance. <laughs> and then, then, then of course, they put me in a couple of those damn ladder matches, one with Edge and then one with your brother. And I looked around, and I, I, I said, I could, I could take the suplex off the top of the ladder. That was no problem. I just have no offense. And so I looked around, yep. and then that crew, we were in Chicago, and I walked up to Matt. I said, Matt, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to take that suplex off the top rope, but I'm only taking it from you, Bell. So... All these other guys standing around <laughs> are thinking about giving me that suplex that Vince wants me to take. <laughs> the only one calls oh, me. God. And Matt said, I won't forget you. So in other words, I'm climbing up the top of the ladder, and it's not you climb up on the other side, Matt. I'm climbing down. I don't care what they say when I go backstage. <laughs> so sure That's enough, Matt gave one, it man. to me. We made it. But, I mean, those damn the 12-foot ladders taking a suplex off the top. When I took it from Edge, it, yeah, that's huge. it doesn't hurt your body. But for me, like, I've got that inner ear thing. It knocks my inner that thing on my inner ear out, right? And uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then I made the mistake of telling Edge we had that one in Raleigh. Uh, my first uh, ladder match. And uh, I told Edge, I said, I can't do anything, but I can take the bumps. I said, what can we do that would be really be cool that you've never done? He said, well, I could put you on a table and jump off the top of the ladder. You know, it's 12 feet high. 
He said, that'd be pretty cool. I said, well, I can go to that. We can do that. Well, I had no idea what I signed up for there. So he put me on top of the table. I had cut myself. So I couldn't see anywhere. I was covered in blood, which always, that that helps conceal my weakness in the ring in terms of, <laughs> in terms of ability. I can always bleed. <laughs> and he jumped off that thing on top of me and the table broke like nothing. But you forgot that he weighed 240 pounds. And you, you bottom yeah. out. No matter what happens, you're bottoming out yeah. with him on top of you. And I went, holy Christ, what have I done to myself? I was biting my fingers, yeah. pinching my thumbs. <laughs> but I was fine. From that high, from that high, that table's going to go, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that was my claim to fame. <laughs> that was Edge and Edge. Can you just push the ladder over? I said, yeah, I guess I can do that. Put it in the right place, though. <laughs> So Edge, Edge basically worked the ladder match with himself, but I was just yeah. a component with a blade. <laughs> Even those twelve foot ladders, I mean, people that they're so big and the base is so wide. When you do like Suplex, for example, man, you're you're landing pretty close to the ropes. You know, the hardest part of the ring. That's uh, so, I mean, it's crazy. And then when you talk about fourteen foot tall ladders, I mean, then you're really getting up there. I mean, they do look yeah. like twenty foot ladders. So if you ever go and actually look at it. 20-foot ladder would you have before it, the base, when, with it being open, it would probably be almost as wide as the ring. They are huge. But, but 14 feet feels like 26. Have you, been, have you been on a 14-foot ladder? That's the highest one, yeah. That's oh, the highest one I found. Oh, totally. listen, they're not yeah. getting 12 feet was my limit, and I was hoping they'd move put an 8-foot one in just for me. And, 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 and maybe the people wouldn't notice. <laughs> Yeah, when I when I wrestled Matt at uh, the WrestleMania, when Matt and I wrestled, but we did uh, I did the leapfrog off, but I believe it was off a of twelve uh, over a fourteen. So I was you know posting off the fourteen, and that was insane. And, and oh my god, it hurt so much. But uh, yeah, that was the biggest leapfrog leg drop I've done because those fourteen foot ladders are huge. And I mean, uh, speaking of injuries, you know, like uh, I, don't, I don't know if Christian uh, he he's been injured quite a bit. Do you know anything about that? Oh yeah, well he's it's got the con- con- concussion issue going on. I think I think he's, okay, I, some... I think he's pretty much uh, uh, finished up in terms of ever wrestling again. Uh, you know, as is Edge wow. because of the neck issue. So yeah, um, Edge and and Matt even you know Matt had a few surgery, but he is he is great now. He's wrestling. He's doing. I think he's better than ever, man. And but, but why I bring that up is because me, I've been so lucky. This is my. Although it was outside the ring, I got hurt. This is my first serious injury that I'm dealing with. So now, I, I mean, I, I realize how much I love wrestling, you know, because I got to go to these shows and do these appearances. And not being able to be a part of it just kills me. And so I, I, I'm getting a taste of what, you know, Matt's going through, Adam, with the surgeries and all that stuff. I, I realize what that's like now, and it, it does. It hurts, you know. And uh, I, just, I just hope I can get back to normal. Oh, you will. You know, the thing about you, the thing about you Jeff, is you guys, you know, you've all you've always stayed very fit. You know, you've never had a weight issue in that, and that means a lot when you're healing. I mean, um, you because God, you have put your body through a lot. I mean, it's you know, you take just five years of doing those ladder matches, say once a month or once every three months. You know, I mean, or six years, how many years you did it? I mean, that was a lot. I mean, I just did two, and it was later in my later in my career. I was in my fifties, but still, my body held up. Does that make sense? Even when I wrestled you, I was like 55 years old, right? What, what, what was I thinking? Right, yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember my ankle was 
I my ankle was really bad that night. That's one thing I remember about that match. We when I was I was uh, struggling with that group bad, but yeah, that's still so cool to say that I wrestled Ric Flair, man. I appreciate it. Well, you wrestled Ric Flair, half of Ric Flair. <laughs> okay. The, 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 the better half was around 1989. <laughs> but I sure had fun doing it. Um, well, tell me. Um, so you, um, I'm trying to put all this together. You have to have surgery again now before you can even start the healing process. Yeah, most likely. I'm going to try to wrestle with this brace on in January. Um, I think I'm going to see what it feels like, but I mean. I'm, I'm kind of scared, honestly, to see what it. But I don't want to hurt it worse, you know. And and I tried physical therapy for for a month, and the physical therapist and me agreed. It was like, next, there was several things I couldn't even do. My right leg so weak, and um, and he said, yeah, man, you could the way you fly around, especially, and even my chiropractor, he he said it a long time ago. Oh, you can have, have that that repaired, you know. So, um, but I mean, I, I'm going to give it a shot. I think I'm going to try maybe just like a, a few easy match and just see how it feels. I'm just going to have to, you know, avoid landing on my knees and maybe not doing as many uh, moves as I normally do and just see how it goes. But ultimately, I mean, I, I'm going to end up having the surgery uh, sometime early next year. And uh, sadly, I'll, I'll probably be missing most of 2016. Yeah, well, you know, um, listen, I mean, here's the deal. I was with you when I first came um when I first came to TNA, you were there, right? And you showed me your royalty yeah. check that just came from WWE, and you've been gone for two years. I don't feel sorry for you, okay? <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, oh, yeah, Conrad. Oh, Conrad, this guy this guy got some royalty checks on the WWE, brother. He's like number two of all time. Not trying to give anything away, Jeff, but I saw it. And I went, you got to be kidding me, man. Let's go cash that and go out tonight. Because <laughs> 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 Jeff Hardy oh, can drink. Oh, I got news for you. Not anymore. Beth's got him on a short lease. But Jeff Hardy can roll, man. We were in Europe one time drinking Jack, and I actually caught Jeff throwing the Jack over his shoulder. <laughs> well, I was done. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I remember I was seeing triple, I believe. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the greatest story of all time is the night that Jeff and Matt Hardy carried Shawn Michaels to his room. <laughs> I finally cracked Shawn. He came down to the bar. Remember Shane McMahon was there, Matt, uh, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. It was bizarre. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He told that story. Uh, it wasn't long ago he told that story. What a, what a great story, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Yeah. Shawn was keep telling me what when. If I asked him if I was going to grow up instead of going back to the bus and drinking with you guys, I said, I'm not growing up anytime soon. So the first day it went by, and then he said, oh, okay, I'll have, I'll have a course late. Well, one became two, two became three, three became four, and then we walk in the hotel one night. And I never go to catering, man. I'm, just, you know, I'm going right to the bar, as you know. I'm sorry, I'll admit that. We were in that great hotel, I can't remember. And uh, he said, damn it, I'm just going to do this one time just because you're making me so damn mad. So he, he, I left you guys. I saw him the next day, and the word was out that the Hardy boy carried Shawn Michaels to his room. And that is legend. <laughs> He'll never oh, live yeah. that down. <laughs> oh, God. He's the best. Oh, he's tremendous, man. What a great guy. Boy, he, he, he's just... Look. He he just bought himself a 500 acre ranch in the middle of nowhere. He's just out there hiding from everybody. <laughs> he, 
Wow. He's on, he's I don't on, blame him, man. That's awesome. He's on the Ponderosa and Abilene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody, uh, does he have a show, too, on, on some channel? Like, I don't know, the hunting show? or Yeah, he sure does. Uh, yeah, he's doing real well. Yes. Yeah, and he's yes, got... He's got both the kids there, and they're all growing up. Boy, his, his son is like six foot two now. It's unbelievable. Cameron. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And uh, they're out there, and uh, they love it. I mean, he loves the privacy. He just he sold that big place he had in San Antonio and, and moved out there, and he just uh, kind of like Austin. He, he just loves to hunt and fish, and he, he's got, you know, this big private gate. It's like driving in. It's kind of like going into Conrad's house. You know, it's like <laughs> it's a process. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> yeah, when you see when you see the Conradison, Jeff, the the, the Conradison is what we call uh, Con, Conrad's home. It's bigger oh, in square. It's, it's bigger in square footage than the whole city of Huntsville, Alabama. Oh my God! Oh my goodness! And who oh. drives a three hundred and forty-seven thousand dollar Rolls Royce around Huntsville, Alabama? Half the town doesn't even know what kind of car it is. Okay. So, so, Jim, let's talk a little wrestling. Uh, let's get off. Okay. Uh, I'm curious, you know, the Dudley boys have recently come back, and you guys had a lot of magic matches with the TLCs back in the day that people still talk about and were really trendsetters, but they're getting kind of one last run in the WWE. What's the possibility of the Hardy boys having a, a run like the Dudleys are right now? Well, I think there's a huge uh, possibility down the road. Um not sure when, but I think Matt and myself would, would uh, love to end our careers in the WWE, and it'd be super, you know, double great to, to be able to have a few more good ones with the uh, with the Dudley Boys um, for sure. And I don't watch it. Uh, I've seen them on there a few times. But I watch it every now and then. But even like the TFC, which I'm sure was amazing. Like, and one, I'll be honest, one of the main reasons I don't watch those shows is because I, I you know, the biggest love of me and the biggest part of me wants to be in the match and it kind of like that's that's why i don't like them because uh, i, I want to be a part of it uh so i kind of stay away from watching it but as far as us returning and having uh two more matches with them it all depends on how long they're going to be there and um how long it takes us to get there i mean but definitely it's, it's a possibility I mean, i'm just not sure when right now everything with me matt's ready to go he could do anything now but uh everything depends on my need right now as far as my future yeah, so what's well, your what's your current status with TNA right now? I know they're moving over to a new television channel, and I know that you're going to be trying to work on rehabbing the knee this next year. But what do you think the future looks like with you and TNA? Well, I'm in my la I'll be in my last year. Whenever I'm able to uh, wrestle, I'll be in my last year with TNA. Um, so and then I can decide like what I want to do uh, from there. But I got it. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, you know uh, depending on how things go, uh, we're going to do some tapings. Um, and at the first of January, and, and depending on that, how that goes, I mean, uh, it's kind of when I'm going to decide that, whether I get through surgery or try to work a while uh, and avoid surgery with the brace. Um, so it's kind of up in the air. But yeah, I, I will be in my uh, last year with TNA. Well, I am in my last year with TNA after February 28th. So. Well, it's nice to know that you've had a success both places, but I mean, there's no way in the world that. Matt and Jeff Hardy aren't in the Hall of Fame of the WWE someday, so I'm sure I I, I would bet my life that you guys end up there for a couple of years before before it's uh, before you guys decide to wrap it up. Hi there, sorry for the interruption, but. 
Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Just two weeks ago, Ric Flair turned 73. Wow. I asked him how his cardio is. Before that, Rick told us how good Bill Goldberg's cardio is. What I meant, I meant when I said it, I said, it was, I, I, my advice to him was as long as you're under contract, be prepared for him to call you, which they have. You know, I, I won't give you an example, but Vince called him a week before he wanted to wrestle. Well, he hadn't worked, he hadn't trained to wrestle. He's always working out, but the difference cardio wise yep. between, does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Yeah. A bit, you, you've got to get that cardio in because, man, in the ring, the cardio is everything. I've seen it break guys, including myself. When I ran out of gas, when I was, got older, I'd have a hard, harder time getting my heart rate up. And I, the first, until I, like, I could do 300 squats, my heart rate would only go up to like, let's say 80, as opposed to 150. Where it's, so it, it was hard getting your second win sometimes. I mean, I would blow up terrible. When I was younger, it was a non-issue, but once you start doing it in a more sporadic period of time, and, and then, then it gets the best you be here and you think to yourself, man, you know, I mean, you spend more time thinking about, are you going to be able to make it through it? Like I did with Sean at WrestleMania 24, when I know I'm in the best shape I could possibly be in at 59, which I was in great shape. I did shit that people will never be able to do it when they're 59 in, in preparation for it. Cardio wise. Yeah. I was like, I was a cosmetic nightmare where my cardio was doing some ridiculous stuff that people that know me and have trained with me, have seen me do. But when you second guess yourself on just being able to catch your breath, you forget about the content of the match. And it's, it's a terrible uh, it, loss, loss of, um, God, what's the word? Lo when, when you lose your confidence and you get sidetracked thinking about other things, you're never going to be the performer you were. And, well, and whether, and, and, and what, what of being, if you're worried about getting hurt, which I never worried about that but not worried about blowing up and not being who I was 20 years before, which was a lot of pressure to put on myself. When you lose that little bit of confidence, it can change your whole mindset and your whole game plan around. And unless you've been a wrestler, you shouldn't even be able to comment on it. So anybody that listens out here that's got a podcast and hasn't been in the ring and hasn't bounced around or wrestled an hour or done anything, they shouldn't be able to even comment on what it's like to be in that position because it's horrifying. It's, it's like, I'll give it something you'll relate to. Chris Simon jumped on Bob Probert at the end of a shift. It made Chris Simon famous, right? Oh, it did. But, but like you said, probably was at the end of a shift. And it was shift. Well, a lot, a lot, but you know, a regular hockey fan doesn't know what that means. That means he'd been out there for two minutes, was completely blown up, and Chris Simon jumped on Proby, right? So well, you know what he was doing? Yeah, but but if you and I as hockey fans know it. The regular fan watching goes, oh, Chris Simon beat the shit out of Bob Probert. Well, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. So when I, you know, so when I see a guy in the ring, you never you never whether he, whether he's struggling with what or worried about getting hurt, whether he's struggling with trying to keep up, whether he's blown up. Unless you've been in it, it's really hard to understand and make people understand what it's like. 
uh, oral guy. You know, can you imagine these receivers running these 80 yard routes and coming back to the huddle and running out 80 yards again? I mean, it's conditioning's a big deal in sports. Well, g- getting back to Bill, I, one thing I loved about Bill's run in WCW was it showed how simple wrestling could be. Yeah. He had the look, he had short matches, he had the winning streak. End of story. It wasn't much more complicated than that, was it? No, exactly. Exactly. And I was, I think I was, but in that 160, I was probably nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first one? Who was the first guy you beat? I can't remember. Bill DeMott, you Morris. Oh, that's right. Uh, how do you know that? I, I saw it online somewhere. Uh, I, uh, it's funny because uh, that was one of Terry Taylor's terrible punny names. Like, you know, he, he wanted us to pronounce it humorous. Yeah. He was the laughing man. I go, no, his name's you Morris. Yeah. The it's last like, thing I, the last thing I saw online last week was six reasons why Ric Flair is not the goat and why Chris Jericho is. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I don't think that's accurate to you. <laughs> Absolutely good, not. Though. Jericho's good. You got to give him credit. I didn't say it wasn't good. I, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm saying it's 72. People are still writing articles about me. When they're writing articles about Chris Jericho when he's 72, show me one. <laughs> now, um, I must have impressed somebody. <laughs> well, you impressed me. God knows. Look, here we are. <laughs> now, one thing about Bill that was great, and I know you appreciate this. I, when I was an announcer, I liked calling Bill's matches. Yes. Because you could call them like a shoot. He was mm-hmm. so real. There was nothing. It was. Not- Mark, it was real with him. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, well, no. Bill didn't, he only knew one thing. Boom, power jab, hammer. I used to go, he and, he and Lesnar both. I'm like, please be careful. <laughs> well, was Bill safe? Because, you know, Bill was known for giving Bret Hart that kick in the head, which, you know, contributed to Bret not wrestling anymore. How safe was Bill to work with? Um, well, to me, he was. To me, it was very safe. I've been kicking the head by him too. I don't, I don't know whether, you know, it, it, everybody's going to get kicked or hit in the head. So, what may have affected Brett, unfortunately, probably had, did not affect me. But we all get kicked in the head. Are you kidding, Mark? We get kicked in the head. We get our ribs. We get, you know, a cracked vertebrae, cracked ribs. It's wrestling's a very physical, tough sport, and that. You know, and what the people that don't understand that, um, um, it's it's just it's it's ridiculous because no matter whether it's choreographed or not, these kids put their bodies on the line every day, and when you do it six to seven days a week, sometimes now for these guys four days a week at least, you put your body out there. It's hard, and you've got to keep up with it. You know. Now, um, two things that and another thing that was great about Bill was his entrance and his music. I oh, thought that for was sure. reproduced. For now, sure. What does that mean to a performer and how much did it mean to Bill? Um, well, I just thought number one, Bill Bill's look was so awesome. But what he at just at the right time. He came out, he was different than everybody. Um but his music, his entrance, and then but the after they were conditioned, I, I call it conditioned. The fans were conditioned to know they were going to see something that was action-packed with Bill, whether it was 10 seconds or 10 minutes. Something big was going to happen. That means I got to 
or a Coors Light too. Holy shit. Okay. You know what? I got to tell you, I mean, Coors Light's my brand and they're a sponsor. But when we got stuck in, in St. Louis with, with Mick Ultra. Yeah, it wasn't it was bad, there, right? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I know Mick Ultra from 5 to 8, then I go to the Red Wine from 8 to 10. I mean, you you have your discipline, and I respect <laughs> that. But, but <laughs> the, the thing about, I, I got to tell you, I always get heat from some of the bars here in Pittsburgh because I don't, I, I'm not a craft beer guy. You, you've had people try to push that on you, I guess. A- absolutely. To me, the thing with beer is I want to get like five down my neck in 20 minutes. To me, with Mick Ultra, if they don't have it in a bar and I tell them I want it, they go buy it while I'm sitting there. <laughs> I, I, here, here's a great McUltra story. Who wants to lose Rick Flair as a customer? <laughs> my, my, my good friend, uh, Mark Bulger, remember the Rams quarterback? Sure. I went to his wedding in Las Vegas. It was, it was quite the soiree at the Bellagio. And uh, all the Bulgers, the whole family, they drink McUltra. Yeah. And they don't slow down. And all their friends drink McUltra. And everybody yeah. there drank McUltra. So in the middle of the reception, the guy in charge of food and beverage comes over to, to Mark's dad, Jim, who played quarterback for Notre Dame. And he goes, Mr. Bulger, uh, we don't have any McUltra left. And Jim goes, well, just, you know, go down to the next bar or go, you know, over there and get it. And he goes, no, you don't understand. We've done that. You have drunk all the McUltra in the Bellagio Casino. Well, I got one better than that. Go ahead. Megan's wedding. You were at it. I was at it. Minneapolis. Dom Perion was at a premium. I told the guy, the girl that that orchestrated her wedding, to drive around Minneapolis and buy 30 bottles of Dom Perion. She said it's going to cost a lot. I said, no problem. I got the bill a month after their wedding. What do you think 30 bottles of Dom Perion cost me in Minneapolis at the wedding? 30 extra ones. I want to say seven grand. Nine. <laughs> wow. That was you a great get, wedding. Yeah, when you get married and uh, Nature Boy's your dad, it's going to be big time. <laughs> no question. I remember, remember, I knew the kid that was Megan's first husband. He was the goalie. Yeah. And you could tell he just wasn't sure what he had got himself into at that wedding. Well, <laughs> just with all the miscreants and all the Dom Perignon, as, yeah. as they say. Uh, now, uh, uh, seriously. And, and, and now she's driving a Bentley SUV. What does that tell you? <laughs> Bet- Bentley makes SUVs. Yeah. There are very few of them, but she's got one. A la yeah. Conrad. <laughs> Boy, Conrad's got even more friggin' money than I thought. Oh, yeah. yeah. For God's sakes. She drove to Miami to get it. She would, She couldn't wait for it to be delivered. <laughs> but I, I got my like, get back. I said you're going to stop in Tampa and see your dad. Dad, I don't have time. <laughs> Well, now, hold on. we got to talk about, you have that one car I love, too. We've never talked about that on the show. What what model is that? It's a 63 Series AMG package Mercedes. They only made 180 of them. I'll tell you, everybody out there, if you get a chance to ride in one of these things, we, we cruised around uh, Atlanta. Eight, eight, 800 horsepower. We cruised around Atlanta in that thing. It was unbelievable. And not only that, Nate, for a, for a car like that, a sporty car, a fat guy can fit into it. It's, it's the daily double. Well, I've lost weight. I'm talking about me. <laughs> and, I, and I've lost weight as well. Now, now, now you would yeah, say what film we're having today. We are having fun. We haven't even knocked anybody. A little bit. And at the end there, Ric Flair tells one of my favorite Michelob Ultra stories. He's got a lot of stories about beer. That'll do it this week for Ric Flair. I'm Mark Matt, and this has been Ric Flair, Woo Nation Uncensored. Woo!